No, I really am a mess. I'm sorry. I'm going to need your grace, patience this morning. For one, I felt this morning that I, uh, that I had to really completely change the message over. So uh, I just felt God leading me in a little bit of a different direction. And so I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> Not feeling as well prepared as I as I should and would, and uh, I didn't mean to share this with you, but I, my grandpa died yesterday, so anyway, anyway, we were really close, and, uh, and I'm just a little <laughs> emotional, I'm sorry, let me pray, oh, oh Lord, Lord, I honestly don't know how I'm going to do this this morning. But you do. And Lord, I just, I just pray for your strength right now and your peace. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would have the freedom to speak this morning. You would have a Opportunity to speak to our hearts about the incredible love that you have for us and how you've chosen us to carry that love into the world. Just like uh, Angie and Carmony we just saw in the video. So Lord, I just pray for your presence right now this morning. Thank you that you've promised to be here with us. And thank you that your message this morning doesn't depend on me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm really sorry. You know, I don't know if you, uh, if you were able to really listen to the lyrics well of this song. The, the chorus said, count me in. I'm amazed this love is for me, Lord. Count me in. I'm amazed this love is for me. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so I'm really sorry. I hope that it's done now. Count me in. You know, when, uh, when you experience overwhelming love, what's, what's the natural reaction to that? It's to, to share that love with others, isn't it? It's to, to communicate that to others. You know, when, uh, when my wife first told me that she was pregnant and, and just the, the joy of that. You know, I mean, I couldn't keep it in. I was telling people before my wife was ready to tell people, but I just, I just couldn't keep it in. You know, the same, same thing when you, when you fall in love. I remember falling in love with my wife and, and knowing that she was the one that I would want to marry and just, and just naturally wanting to burst out and, and tell the world about this woman. And how much I loved her and how much I felt God had blessed me with her. You know, we carry pictures of our kids in our wallets or, or cell phones now or whatever. And we do that because we want to we share with people. You run into somebody and say, do you have kids? Oh, yeah, I do. Here, let me show you. And we show them because we love them. We've received so much love from them. And we want to we wanna let people know, don't we? Sometimes that's also true with, with, with just passions that we have, with, with gifts that we have, that we have received, that we just, 
hopefully naturally want to share with others, want to tell people what we're passionate about, what we love doing. The idea is that we receive and that there should be, that there is the natural tendency to want to share what we have received with others around us. We want to reach out to others with the, with the things that we're passionate about, with the things that we have experienced and that we have received. And, and for me, my, my greatest passion, above sharing the love that I have for my wife and receive from my wife, above the joy and love that I have for my children, is the love that I have received from God. The adventure and the life that, that I have found in Him. The love, the, the freedom, the, the newness of life and the adventure that I've been on with him over the last 18 years is what, what is my biggest passion to share with others. That's probably why I'm, why I'm sitting up here this morning, but you don't have to sit up here to have that passion and to share what God has done in your, in your life. You know, I know one thing for sure, that if you have committed to following God, to following Jesus, if you have received his love, if you have received his forgiveness... It is impossible not to go on an adventure with him. And, you know, we, we have it at our, as our tagline as a church. K to the church, an adventure with God. And I'd just love to know who, who feels, who here has this sense that you're really on an adventure with God. And here, here's the definition of an adventure. It's a thrill, an almost pleasurable sensation of fright. It's an exciting, unusual experience, a bold, risky undertaking, hazardous action of uncertain outcome. Honestly, seriously, honestly, who feels you, you have that kind of adventure with God? Sense of excitement and maybe uncertainty, but joy in that. And what was it? A pleasurable fright. Man, that's what God wants for you. God does not want a boring life for you. He has things for you that will scare you. He has an adventure for you that you need to engage with. And part of, a very important part of that adventure is to reach out beyond yourself, is to reach out to others with what you have received from him. And I'll tell you, if you, if you commit to that, if you commit to following him, I can guarantee you he will call you into doing things that you naturally would not choose. He will reveal things to you that now are beyond your comprehension. He will take you places you'd never think you'd go. I'm telling you, if three years ago somebody would have told me I'd be sitting in a church in Salt Lake City when I was sitting in the beautiful black forest in Germany eating black forest cakes, I would have said, you're crazy. You would have been absolutely... It's, and would I want to miss sitting here for anything? I wouldn't. It's because it's what God has for me. It's the adventure that he has me and my family on. And that includes all of you. He will ask you to do things that you don't think you can do. And I know that many of you think, I, I can't reach out to others. I know that reaching out with your faith to others is a really scary thing. But it's part of the adventure that he has on. And if you engage in that adventure, I know we talk about this all the time, I guarantee you that he will change your life completely and through you he will change others and he will change the world around you. 
Has God ever really freaked you out with something? That you had a sense he wanted you to do something that you were maybe not willing to commit to and scared stiff of doing? You know, the disciples that we talk so much about, the 12 that he followed, had that experience many, many times. And so I want to look at them with you this morning and what it meant to them to follow Jesus and how Jesus taught them to reach out beyond themselves. Because I changed a lot up this morning, we, we won't have the scriptures up on the screen, and I apologize, but it's a good reminder that you should bring your Bible if you have one. Um, so bring your Bibles. Um, if you don't have one, we have free Bibles out in the bookshop. Don't run out now. Share them between you. But if you don't have one, don't leave here today without getting a free Bible out at the, at the info table. So let's have a look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. It's the account of Jesus calling the disciples to become his disciples. And if you were here three weeks ago, I talked a little bit about the cultural background of that and that it was actually fairly natural for them to drop everything and, and go. But let's, let's read it and I'll, I'll um, get more into it. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, so they were also fishers. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Isn't it just a strange story? And I don't know, if, who was here three weeks ago when I talked a little bit more about the background of this? Let me just briefly touch on that again. Jesus was a rabbi, and he would have been visibly noticeable as a rabbi just by the, the things that he would have worn. And at that time, being asked by a rabbi to follow him, become his disciple, his follower, was the biggest honor anybody could have had. It was the best career move for anyone in that Jewish culture. And so for, for a rabbi to approach Peter and James and John and, and Philip and, and so on and to say, come follow me, which was actually the phrase uh, uh, any rabbi would have used to, to make somebody their disciple and say, I'm choosing you to come become my disciple, to learn from me. Would, again, the biggest honor ever. And so it's, it's not described here. And Dieter just says, oh yeah, and they dropped their nets. As if anybody could walk into your workplace and say, you come follow me, and, and, and you just walk as in a trance and, 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 and a robot and walk around. But it was natural for them to do that. They left everything. They followed him. But you know what? They had no earthly idea of what was ahead. They had no earthly idea the things that Jesus would lead them into, the things Jesus would reveal to them, the things Jesus would ask them to do. The adventures that they would go on with him, the miracles that they would see happen. One of them was that they would, they would go fishing. Once in a while they would go back to fish and provide for themselves. And one day they were all out on the lake fishing all day, catching nothing. The story is in Luke. Nothing all day. And then Jesus says, cast your nets over here. And they're like, come on, Jesus. We've done this all day. There's nothing here to get. This is it. Come on, let's just go and get a sandwich somewhere. He said, no, you do it. And they're like, ah, whatever, whatever. And that's sometimes all it takes is to say, okay, whatever, Jesus. They cast their nets. And 
within a short time, caught more than their boats could keep. A miracle. Well, uh, that, that one could be explained. Well, it's just where the fish were, right? Well, explain walking on water. Some other time, they're out on the lake. Jesus told them to go ahead. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking to them on the water. They saw a human being walk on water, and then Peter asked him to do it too. And Jesus called him out, and he stepped out of the... Can you imagine on a rocky lake being told to step out of a boat and walk on water? Can you imagine the step of faith that that took? He did it. He walked on water. Then his fears took over, and he came crashing down on him. And Jesus pulled him out. Another time, they're again on the lake. A lot of these incidents has happened in the context of... of the lake and, and their profession as, as fishermen. They're out on the lake. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And in, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, within minutes, because it's right around um, a mountain range, winds can come down and, and really transform the Lake of Galilee from a calm, mirror-like lake into a, a, a fierce um, storm. And this happened while they were out there. The, the disciples were literally afraid for their lives, fighting to keep the boat under control. And Jesus was sleeping, and they, they wake him up and say, don't you care what's going on here? And with a word, they saw him calm the storm and calm the sea. That's the kind of the adventure that they were on with Jesus. Those are the kind of experiences that they had. Was it scary? Absolutely, it was scary. Was it worth it? Absolutely, it was worth it. But the only way that they could experience these kind of things where they could see miraculous catch of fish Jesus provide for them make miraculously, where they could have experiences where Jesus enabled them to do things that they could have never done, to watch Jesus do miracles where he shows his control over creation. I mean, can you imagine seeing and experiencing that? You know why they did? Because they responded to his call to follow him because they responded to his call to step out in faith. And you know, one thing they did know, even though they didn't know what was going to be ahead and what Jesus was going to lead them into, what he was going to ask them to do, the experiences they were going to have, they knew one thing. When they responded to the call, come follow me, they knew one thing, and that was that his mission would become theirs, that his heart would become theirs, that his passion would become theirs, and that his purpose would become theirs, because that was a goal of a disciple. When a disciple accepted the call of a rabbi, he committed to becoming just like the rabbi. That was their commitment. That's why they got out of the fish business. That's why they followed his call to follow him and to become what he called fishers of men. I find that an interesting, uh, interesting illustration to, to fish men. What he meant is we want to go and reach out to people, bring them to me, and share God's love with them. That was the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ was not to guilt people into anything. His heart was to share God's love with people. And that is why he came. That is what he was all about. That's what the disciples were going to be all about. And that is what they witnessed with him over and over. There's another passage that I, that I love. It's in Luke 4, verses 16 through 18. If you have your Bibles, open that up. That's going to be our, our central passage here for the rest of our morning. It's a passage where Jesus, for the first time, really publicly declares what he came to do. 
And it's really interesting. Let's read it together. I'll read it for you if you don't have your Bibles with you. It's in Luke 4, verses 16 through 18. He went to Nazareth. Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, where he grew up, where people had seen him grow up as the son of Joseph the carpenter. So they knew him since he was a little kid. And he goes into their synagogue, the place that, where they would meet to, to read out of God's word and, and hear messages, hear a rabbi teach on God's word. So he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So they were used to seeing him there. Again, he grew up there. He stood up to read as the rabbi in verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling him, it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. That was a short sermon. Don't you wish I would do that sometimes? <laughs> And he sat down, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What he was saying is, he, he took the word of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, which was prophetic in nature. A lot of the prophecies about the future Messiahs are found in the book of Isaiah. He opens a, a passage that clearly talks about the Messiah and says, this is me. For the first time, and he lays out his mission statement here. He says, I'm here to proclaim the good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind healing, to set the oppressed free. What he's saying here is, I am here to be a liberator, to be a freedom fighter, is how I've recently heard this in a message by somebody else. I love that a liberator and a freedom fighter, a bringer of good news and a healer. And then throughout Jesus', Jesus life and his ministry, this is what he does. He liberates, he brings freedom, he brings good news, and he heals people. That is his mission. And his disciples committed to that mission when they committed to following him. What about you? If you're a follower of Jesus and you've responded to the call to follow him, and you've committed to following him for the rest of your life, then that is what you're committing to. To be a liberator. To be a freedom fighter. To be a bringer of good news to people who need it. And to be a healer. Now, I, I will tell you right now, the healing part, I'm not going to go into today because I am still so wrestling with that. But we see in Jesus' life that he healed all over the place. Every, anyone they brought to him. Now, primarily his, his purpose of healing was spiritual. We all need spiritual healing. But his love, the love that God had for people, showed himself that he met people's physical needs. And his word tells us over and over again that we should pray for the sick. And so let's not forget that. But Jesus was a liberator, a freedom fighter, a good news bringer. And we see that again all throughout his word. He brings good news to people. One time they bring a woman to him that they caught in adultery. The, the, the teachers of the law were, were full of judgment and condemnation and they wanted to trip Jesus up and they brought him to, her to him and said, here, we caught her in adultery. What should we do with her? We should stone her. This was what our law says. 
First question is, where's the guy? If they caught her in adultery, they must have caught him too. They didn't bring him. That's just side note. They bring her. And what does Jesus do? He's the one who could have picked up a stone, but he says, if anyone here is without sin, you pick up the first stone. You do it. Come on. I dare you. And he writes something in the sand. It doesn't tell us what, but I would bet he wrote down sins that they had secretly committed. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's just my imagination. And then he says to her, he says, they don't judge you, they don't, neither will I. But stop what you're doing. Stop what, he set her free. He set her free. He brought forgiveness and truth. He set her free. Then we see him heal over and over and over. He heals the ostracized by society. He sets them free from their bondage. We see him set people free from spiritual bondage. That's all throughout his ministry. He liberates people. He frees people. He brings good news. He brings truth to them. And he heals. That was his mission statement. And then in John 20, 21, at the end of his ministry, when he's told the disciples, guys, I'm about to go, and they are freaking out, he freaks them out a little more. And he says this, just as the Father has sent me, to do these things, now I send you. Just as the Father had sent me to be a freedom fighter, a liberator of people, a bringer of good news and a healer, now I am sending you to do the same. And he's telling you the same thing. Just as I was sent to liberate, to bring freedom, to bring good news and heal, now he's sending you. What he's telling the disciples is, training is over, boys. Hey, I'll, I'll continue to teach you, but, but now it's time for you. It's time for you to jump into the trenches. It's time for you to proclaim the good news, to liberate and to heal. And I want to focus on this proclaiming of good news a little bit. You, you know what that basically means? Proclaiming the good news means, in a nutshell, that you and I tell people that God loves them. That is the heart of the good news that Jesus came to bring, is God loves you. God is for you. And he's done everything in his power to show that. That is the good news. And the disciples are freaking out. They're freaking out and say, how, how are we going to do that? Okay, God sent you, but you're Jesus. <laughs> I'm me. I'm Peter, a fisherman. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. How am I going to do what you did? And Jesus even tells them, you're going to do greater things than I did. And then comes Pentecost. Anybody know what Pentecost is? In Germany, Pentecost is actually a national holiday. We don't go to work or school on Pentecost. It's the day that is described in Acts when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to the disciples who are hiding in a room, afraid for their lives, hiding from the world because they're worried what they did to Jesus they're going to do to them. Fear had gripped them. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, his spirit, to be with them and in them rather than Jesus being physically with them. He sends his spirit to indwell them. And everything changes. Pentecost really is the birthday of the church. It's when the church became the church because Jesus now lives in us. Just like in this passage that Jesus was quoting from Isaiah, when he set all, all of that up in verse 8, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is in me. 
And now I proclaim the good news. Now the spirit of the Lord is in the disciples. And if you've become a disciple of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus is in you. The disciples were no longer just followers of Jesus. They now had Jesus live in them through his Holy Spirit. And everything changed. Instead of being gripped by fear and hiding, they couldn't but step out and reach out and publicly declare how much God loved them through his son Jesus. At that moment, they turned from simply being followers of Jesus, they turned into the fishers of men that he called them to become. They turned into people who reached out to those around them with God's love. They started proclaiming the good news. They started to become liberators of people. And they started to become healers. And we read about that in Acts chapter 2. We're not going to read it together now, but I encourage you to, to read that story. And how they responded to receiving Jesus' spirit. It was Peter's first sermon that day. He went out into public. There was a big feast going on in Jerusalem. Thousands of people. And he, for the first time, went public and spoke about God's love for, for people and how he showed it through Jesus dying on the cross for them and meeting their greatest need for spiritual healing and reconciliation and forgiveness. And 3,000 responded that day to following Jesus on their own. I would have loved the first sermon like that. But you see, reaching out... Having this boldness to reach out with God's love to the people around it, to the people that God puts in our lives, starts first with Jesus reaching out to you. Just like, like it started with Jesus reaching out to the disciples to go call them to become his followers. That's how it starts with you and me. He called them and he's calling you if he hasn't already. Jesus was on a mission and he is still on a mission. And he's still calling people to join him in that and follow him. Have you responded to that? See, Jesus had a purpose and a plan for the disciples. And he still does. It's just different disciples now. It's not Peter and James and John anymore. It's Jim and Jason and Peter and Bob and Christian and John. You know, and even, even Jesus submitted to leadership. Forty times throughout the New Testament, we read that Jesus mentions that he was sent by somebody else, that he was sent by the Father, that he did nothing on his own, but that he only did what the Father told him to do. He submitted to God. He followed God's direction and asked others to join him in that direction. And that is what reaching out means for us, to follow Jesus and invite others to join us in following him. And reaching out to others means partnering with Jesus, means following his lead. The New Testament is really clear that, that our following him is a, is a partnership, that we actually not just get called into fellowship in a relationship with him, but partnership with the living God. We're called co-laborers with him. The living God... <laughs> is calling you to join him in what he is already doing. And that is that adventure that I was starting, starting out with. That's the adventure that the disciples went on. That's the adventure that I am on, I know. And that's the adventure that I, I so much desire for you. 
First Corinthians says that God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son. And then in Second Corinthians 6, 6 verse 1, he calls you his fellow workers. We become his fellow workers, his partners in bringing the good news to the people around us and becoming liberators and becoming freedom fighters where we fight for other people's freedom, for other people's spiritual freedom in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that, that sounds daunting, doesn't it? It sounds intimidating at times. Well, of course Jesus did this. He, he was Jesus. <laughs> he, he was God's son. I, I'm just me. You're just you. So my question is often, how, how does Jesus make us liberators and freedom fighters and healers? And that's a question I often get from people. It's, it's by literally dwelling in you and in me. In Romans 5, he tells us that if we follow him, he literally gives us his heart. He gives us his heart for people and he gives us his love for people. But he gives us even more than that. I, I talked about um, Pentecost and, and had them receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them about that in advance. In Acts verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, he, he tells them, this is going to happen. And this is what he tells them at that time. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, you guys don't have to do this on your own. Jesus is not just interested in us following his example in our own strength. Because he knows we can't do it. We, we cannot imitate Jesus in our own strength. Because you and I are human and he was God. And he knew that. He didn't ask us to do the impossible. He gave us the Holy Spirit to do the impossible. And I, I know I've shared in the past... In, in, this, in regards to reaching out and telling others about our faith, about my fears growing up about doing that, I was scared stiff to tell others about my faith because of fear of, of, of how they would respond and how they would view me and rejection and all of that. And, and I'm sure a lot of that is true for, for all of us. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he says, I will give you power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right where you live, is right here where you live. This is your area where you will, will be my witnesses, where you will talk about what I've done in your lives, where you will show my love to people. And in all of Judea, in your state, in Utah, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was telling them, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. And he hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left you and me alone. He's given us everything we need to go out and tell the world how much God loves them. And you know, reaching out to others and, and sharing the reality of God's love with others, the reality of God's love as you have experienced it, comes in many, many different forms. I know my fear of it often came to be asked to do that in an area that, that just wasn't my thing, that just wasn't my gifting. I was asked to do things that, that just weren't me. And I just want you to know, when, when God asks you to reach out with, with your faith, to tell people about his love and, and how you have experienced that, he's, he's not asking all of you to come up here and, and preach and speak. It takes so many different forms. And often, it means not speaking at all, but showing God's love in very practical ways. And Jesus did that all the time. 
in our context, that can just mean seeing needs around you and, and meeting them out of your love for God and out of the love that he has given you to reciprocate that to the people around us and show God's love by, by acts of love, whether that means shoveling snow for somebody or going shopping for a lady down the street that can't do it anymore or meeting, meeting someone's physical needs to care for the sick or feed the hungry or tutor a child or be a big sister or brother to a kid that's lonely or offering forgiveness to someone who has hurt you. All of that is reaching out because it is showing God's love to the people around you, to the people that God has, has placed in your world. And I can almost guarantee you that those kind of acts of love to people will inevitably lead to opportunities to you actually talking about what God has done in your life. Will almost inevitably lead to an opportunity to share what Jesus means to you because those kind of acts of, kind, of, of selfless love aren't normal in our world, are they? And people will respond. They will ask you, what is going on here? Why are you doing this? Reaching out to people with what God has done to you does not mean you need to theologically be able to explain everything. You've probably heard this before. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And people need to know how much God cares. And they need to know that through you. Often people tell me that, that they don't know how to reach out to people. And, and what way is right for them. And I, I always ask them, what is your passion? What do you love doing? What's a gift that God has given you? What are you passionate about? Passionate about? Because I know one thing for sure that he has gifted you. He's, he has gifted each and every one for you. He has given you a voice to proclaim his love as you have experienced it to people around you. He has given you a voice. And your voice might not be in public speaking. Your voice might be in the arts. Your voice might be in athletics. Your voice might be in, in cooking great meals for people. Your voice might be in caring for people or in, in repairing things can take all kinds of ways. Just these last few weeks, I was laid up a lot with my foot and couldn't do, couldn't do a lot of stuff. And had my good friend Jim come over to watch a game on football with me. And he just overheard my wife talking about the sink being broken and leaking all over the place. I couldn't even say sink as fast as Jim was on his back under my kitchen sink fixing it. You know why? Because he loves God, because he loves me, because he saw a need, and because God has gifted him in doing that kind of stuff. And God has given him joy and passion to do it. Do you think I received love from him that day? Absolutely. I, I couldn't have done it. A couple of days after that, we had small group at our house. And a couple of doors in our house had come off the hinges. And I just couldn't get up and couldn't do it. The next day, Steve from our small group showed up with a belt, uh, uh, you know, with all those tool things. And uh, came in and within half an hour fixed the doors in my house. You know why? Because he loves God, because he loves us, because God has gifted him, and he loves using the gifts that God's given him to show God's love to others. It's that simple. God wants to, the world to know that he loves them. And he has chosen you and me to show the world that love. And it can be as practical as fixing a sink fixing a door, shoveling snow, making a meal. 
but it can also mean just telling somebody about the forgiveness that Jesus offers when God leads you to do that. This morning I received a testimony. Well, that was a really churchy word, wasn't it? I received a letter from somebody sharing their life story with me. And uh, it just struck me that I had to share some of that with you this morning. And I tried to call her this morning at least five times. I left three messages or two, asking her, please call me back and give me freedom to share this. She didn't, so I'm not going to say her name. But it is the perfect example of what we're talking about this morning. She grew up just never feeling she could be good enough for God to love her. Just never good enough to deserve God's love. She, she went looking for, for fulfillment and love in lots of other places and just deeply hurt, desperate. And somebody from K2, her name's Kat, worked alongside her and just knew that she was struggling and just said one thing to her one time. Says, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. She said she was so struck by those words. They, it was like they, were, they hit her in the guts that somebody who wasn't even that close to her would show her that kind of love and concern to say, I'll pray for you. That's all, that's all she said, I'll pray for you. But it started something in, in, this, in this young woman's heart. And then she says, Kat and her husband both poured out love on me. She says, everything started with Kat and Nathan having faith and loving me. So here were two people, a couple here, who had faith, which means they love God. They're following him. And they chose to love on her. Because of that, she started coming to K2. And at K2, she said this, we just, she said, Dave came up for a message and said this, at K2, we just want you to know that God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And he said, it is done. And it is done. That's all, that's all you need to know, really. God loves you. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And that is it. Accept that. So she attended K2 and she said, God poured his love out and strength on me. I have now accepted Jesus as my Savior and my whole world is better. What a blessing it was for God to cleanse my life. I feel refreshed and new and so at peace and joyful with him in my new life every day. She says, I'm new, I'm better, I'm healthier. He has changed my heart and my soul, everything. So here's a young lady who received love from people because they loved God. And because she received love from those people, knowing that that was really God loving on her through Kat and Nathan, she responded to that love. She responded to God's love by entering into a relationship with him. But all it said, all it took was Kat saying, I'll pray for you. Can you do that? Can you see a need and just say, you know what? I'll pray for you. I can. Can you? See a need and just meet it and then allow God to do the rest. She finished off by saying, I now tell my friends and family all the time. I would not be here today without Kat. I don't think she'll ever know how much she means to me. She and Nathan reaching out to me and giving me love and support when no one else in my world would was the greatest gift. See, that is the heart of what we're talking about this morning. 
is reaching out to people with God's love, allowing him to do the rest. And the result will always be, if people are exposed to God's love through you, the result is going to be changed lives. It starts by hearing from Jesus, hearing the call to follow him. It starts by Jesus reaching out to you. And I know he has. If he hasn't yet, he is this morning, asking you to follow him in showing his and God's love to the people around you. We need to respond to that invitation, follow him, and then step out of the boat like the disciples did. Step out in faith and, and do things that might seem scary. Maybe telling somebody you'll pray for them is already a scary step for you. Be willing to do it. Be willing to take advantage of the opportunities that God brings your way. And if you pray for those opportunities and if you're sensitive to them, God will bring them to you all over the place. All it takes is a little step of faith to show God's love to the people around you. In his spirit, as he said in Acts 1.8, his spirit is with you. He's giving you the power and the strength to do it. And he's already given you the love to distribute. Can you imagine what it would look like if all of us would live out God's love in that way to the people that God brings into our lives? Can you imagine what that would look like at this church? What, what that would look like in this city? Can you imagine if all of us would find our small voice, the voice that God has given you to share his love with the people around you? Can you imagine? Can you imagine?